Hey, um, I got to get in on this really quickly. The next week's uh, reading plan for those of you that are, do not use the app or do not use the computer version is on the back counter. You can grab one of these, follow along if you want to have those. For those of you that do have your computer at the top of our webpage, you can check right underneath there. Go to uh, this week's reading coming up. But the best way to do so is through the app. And again, that app is um, version. And already, um, those of you that have gone onto the app and friended Cedars Church, you already got an inv- invite. We invited 135 of you into this uh, reading plan. And um, it's been awesome to watch people do that. If you want to do that, all you have to do is go on the app, find the friends section, friend Cedars Church. As soon as you do, we'll invite you to the reading plan. And you, by the way, can comment um, how God has just been using the reading plan. And I'm telling you, it has been an encouragement to see how people reading God's word, how it's spoken to them. Many of you are in the reading plan. You're not commenting, but you're watching other people comment. I get that. But just know it's been great to watch people uh, be a part of this uh, series together. Two more weeks to go. Uh, and uh, but for those of you guys who don't know, next week uh, we'll have a group that's going to be in Mexico. And that's my final thing. So where's our Mexico? If you are going to Mexico this Thursday at 3.30 in the morning, stand up. Stand up. Some of you just found out you're leaving at 3.30 in the morning. All right. So there you go. All right. There you go. Uh, we have 20, uh, it looks like about 25 of us will be going down to Mexico, and uh, we're really excited about it. We just got our family. We, know, we just found out who our family was. The, the members of the trip will get that tomorrow in an email, uh, but we've even found the location, and we'll set the location up so you actually can go on Google Maps and find the exact house where we'll be at, and you can be praying for that location. We'll send that out as well, all right? So we're getting ready for that, but next week, uh, Tim will be here to take you through, ironically, what I love is the run your race, and if you know Tim Ruiz, that makes perfect sense that God would give him that section. Uh, So that's going to be happening, and so we want you to be in that reading plan, and so it's going to be great. By the way, this is chapter 12, and it's powerful, this idea of all that we've been talking about. And then finally, if you have the app already called YouVersion, if you go down to the bottom, click on events, find Cedars Church. Today's verses are already loaded for you. Okay, here we go. I have been waiting for this chapter. Um, This chapter is well known in scripture. It's called the Hall of Faith. Uh, It is all these people who in faith did all of these things. Today, I'm hopefully going to show you something that maybe you haven't seen before, even if you've read this chapter tons and tons of times. So that is my goal. That is my hope. Here's what you need to know. Again, The writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to take a people called the Jews who have, by the way, been sustained by their Judaism, by their, by their heritage. Again, all of the washings, the temple, the sacrifices, the law, all of these things. And he has done a book called this, Jesus is Greater. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the priests. Jesus' covenant is better than the covenant that was there. He has been writing this book to really help people grasp that if you are going to turn to Jesus, you are looking to something that is greater, something that is better. To make that underlined, he then does chapter 11. Chapter 11 is going to name all of these people of faith, but he's going to say some statements that we need to really wrestle with. It's one of those things where there's all this information and literally within a couple of verses, it changes the whole context of what's being said. So with that, let's dive into this passage. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If I see it, it's not faith. 
right? Uh, if, I, if, if I am doing something where, again, I, I, it's, all, it's not faith. Faith, again, is a great definition, is the assurance of things hoped for. I am hoping, by the way, for heaven, but I'm also assured of heaven. I am hoping that God will put grace on me that gets me into heaven, but I'm assured of grace. I am hoping for God to come into my life and transform me, but I'm assured because who he has been and how consistent he has been, I don't, I don't, have, a, I don't have a thought that goes, this isn't happening. Folks, this is happening. So my faith is what I'm hoping for, but it's also the conviction of things not seen. I am convicted by the things. I'm convicted that there is a heaven and that I'll be in it. I'm convicted that there is grace. I'm convicted by all the elements, and I'm definitely convicted by salvation. Why? Because of who Christ is and because he is greater. Now, to get into this, I want to share with you that back in Hebrews 10, the chapter we were in last week, in 1022, it says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. That we can stand fully assured on what God has laid before us. With our hearts sprinkled and clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Meaning, I can stand with faith knowing that he has cleansed me, washed me, sprinkled me, made it possible for me to have access to God. But also... In verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. Not let go. We're, we're gripping onto this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So he's asking for me to have faith. And by the way, he's asking me to have faith in the one who, by the way, is faithful is faithful. So again, chapter 10 was getting us ready for what was about to happen in chapter 11. So let's go back. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. So the people of old, how God set them aside was by their acts of faith. By their acts of faith. God would show up in the lives of these people and ask them to do things that were just out there. And yet when they acted in faith, God goes, that's their commendation. And so in doing so, this writer goes, look, let's prove this. And he is going to do a list of all of those in which God showed up and said, this is what I want from you. They said, okay. And in faith, acted on that. And what's happening is the writer is trying to set a precedent. That God comes and says, listen, I need something out of you, but you in faith have got to step into this. Listen, to the people who he is writing to, he is saying to them, you need to take this step. You need to take this step. Just like Moses, just like Abraham, just like Enoch, just like Noah, you are being told that Jesus is the Messiah and you're going to take a step away from tradition, away from temple, away from sacrifices, away from washings, and trust that the blood of Jesus Christ is what can set you apart. And to say that, he's saying, look, every one of them was asked for something crazy because I'm telling you right now, To the people reading this book, it sounds crazy to leave all of this heritage, all of these things behind to grasp a hold of this person of Jesus who is from Nazareth, from the area of Galilee. 
And he's trying to set the bar so high for them to say, look, it may sound crazy to you, but it sounded crazy to Moses when he was asked to go free the people. It was crazy to Abraham that he'd be the father of many nations. It was crazy to Noah that he would build an ark that would save his family. It was crazy, it was crazy, it was crazy, it was crazy. But each one of them acted in faith. And in acting in faith, acting in faith changed the world. So let's look at this. Verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that, it was, that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, God spoke existence. That's all Genesis chapter 1 and 2. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. See, the thing is, is that we still talk about Abel's gift because it was a gift of giving of the best, giving of the first, giving in an act of faith. And so we still talk about it today. Verse 3, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By the way, if you want to study the story of Enoch, it's a crazy story. How could God just take him up as he does? But this is what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. See, the thing is, is that I can get you into religion happens all the time. Religion where I get you to show up, say certain things, pray certain things. I can get you into religion. That doesn't mean you're going to act in faith. It means you'll put it in your schedule. It means you'll put it in your planner. It means you'll get up and put your clothes on and get here. But that doesn't mean that you're acting out in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It takes faith to step into the things that God asks of us. It is religion just to show up and have a religious experience. Again, there's a lot of people that come to church every Sunday and have a religious experience. They're not acting in faith. They're not living in faith. They're not doing things that cause them to have faith. They're just not. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Because these are the things God's looking for. Those places where you get asked to do something that in your mind you're going, wait a minute, what is this that God is asking me? I'm going to step into that even though I can't see it. But I know God, and if he asks me to do it, then I know he'll be faithful to follow through on that. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen... In reverent fear, constructed an ark for, uh, for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. See, I want righteousness, but I get righteousness, right living, right being, when I act in faith, doing the things that the world would go, why are you doing that? Because God asked me to. Why would you give your money to that? Because God asked me to. Why would Chantal be going to Thailand and going to Cambodia? Because God asked her to. Why is a group of people giving up their weekend and heading down to Mexico? Because God asked them to. And I've been challenging the people going to Mexico, saying, just put it out there. God will get there. We've had people say within two days that their their whole trip was paid for. God wants us. When we step out in faith and say, I want to follow you, he will show up mightily. 
So Noah, again, gets rightness when there becomes faith. So here's what I want to do. If I was to read through every one of these, I don't have enough time. So we're going to do this really quickly. Watch the screen. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By the way, we just got through most of the book of Genesis in those three verses, and those, those verses. You're going from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac on to Joseph, and what is happening in those things as he talks through the sons of Joseph. It's, it, it become, I mean, um, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph. And see, what happens is, is that each of these moments, notice that it was by faith. They had to step into something that was bigger, not something that was easy for them to do. By faith. Zach is, is, a, is a, my late bloomer. Um, just started riding a bike not too long ago. And uh, this week I took him to a BMX track. And this is a big leap up for him. Do you understand? This is not just riding around the parking lot. This now has jumps and ups and downs. So Zach was there for an hour just kind of riding on the outskirts. He was afraid to get into the bigger stuff. And he watched all these other kids hitting these jumps and doing all these other things. And I said, Are you, do you want to go? And he goes, no. He goes, what happens if I go up on that hill and I come down? I go, um, it could be really fun. And he knows me too well, and he goes, what else could happen? You could crash, and it could really hurt. But I think the fun is worth the risk. Really? Yeah. It took two hours, but he went down the hill and had a lot of fun. Praise God he didn't crash. But anyway, because <laughs> uh, that would have been another two years before I got him up there again. But now he wants to go back, Right? Now, again, his brain told him there's a crash at the bottom of this hill, right? That's what he told him. But I also told him, but Zach, you also can experience something that'll be really, really fun. And I think what happens is we get in this place where God goes, no, no, I need you to step off of that. I need you to go down that hill. I need you to trust me that what I have for you, yes, can be scary, but I'm also here. I'm also here. By faith, by faith, by faith. So here's what I want to start pointing you to. We're going to jump. Now, now we got all the way down here, but we're going to jump back up into some scriptures that I skipped specifically because I want to highlight them. This is Hebrews 11, verses 10 through 16. This is talking about Abraham. Abraham was told to leave where he had, by the way, in a fortified city behind a wall with blocks. Does that make sense? Hey, I want you to go into a land that you've never been to before, and I want you to live in a tent. By the way, a tent just so you know, because our people in Mexico are going to live in them. They're not as secure as a house. Do you understand that? Go live in a tent and be a nomad in this area that I want to give you. So watch what happens. Why did Abraham leave a fortified city with a block wall house to go live in a tent? Verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You need to understand that why Abraham is a man of faith is that he wasn't looking at the tent and he wasn't looking about roaming around this land. He's looking to a God and a future and a foundation of a city built by God. Does that make sense? The focus is not down here. It's up here. So this is what Abraham is saying. I can live in a tent here because I will get this. Are you with me with that? I get to have eternity and a foundation by a city built by God. And if he's asking me to live in a tent here, that's okay because I will get 
this. Where's this focus? I'm going to trust in this God who tells me it's okay to live in this tent because this God's telling me there's going to be something better. I love this. This is just a little side note. Have you noticed that it says this? He was looking for a city that has foundations. You see the S on that? Does that sound odd to you? Because it did to me the first time I studied it. Shouldn't that be a foundation? Right? A foundation? Why does it say foundations? Well, here's what we have. Whose designer and builder is God. Because in Revelation 21, 14, it says this. And the wall of the city had 12 what? Foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles and the Lamb. Isn't it amazing that the writer here is saying that there's foundations and we hear in Revelation that there were 12 foundations all written by the 12 apostles. Let's go back to our passage, verse 13. Now, in verse 13, it names all these people, Abraham, Noah, Enoch, Cain, and Abel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Abel, all the way down. And it says, these all died in faith. They all died in faith. Here's what's interesting. Had they gotten what they were looking for? No. But they died in faith, and here's why. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from what? Afar. Just like Abraham, they were looking to something from afar going, that's why I have faith. Not in right now, not in my paycheck, not in my title, not in anything else. I'm putting my faith there from afar. I'm going to pack that more as we get to the end. But I want you to see that this writer saying, look, they all had faith, but did they get what was promised? No, but they were looking at it from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And acknowledging that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Let me tell you something, Christian, that you need to understand. This is not your home. You may have a house. You may have a 401k. This is not your home. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you become a stranger and an exile. This place should not be comfortable to you. This place should not be a place in which you function well because you no longer live for what this place has to offer. You're not playing by the rules this place sets forth. You are playing by a new set of rules for a new kingdom that is up there, not down here. Are you with me? And what's happening is, is that we miss that. So let me just point this out to you. First Peter chapter 2, 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Peter calls you sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Do not let this place take you down. Put your hope above where Abraham put his hope on a building created by God whose foundations are on him. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They're not seeking here. They're seeking a homeland, and that homeland is heaven for eternity. And folks, I'm telling you, the things of this earth can be nice, and you can have some things that are great, and you can enjoy them, but they're not your home. This is a place in which you should be a foreigner. This should not feel comfortable to you. 
Really excited. I don't know if he's in here. Uh, Joey Haas is, I got to be with him. Joey Haas is going to go, he's uh, uh, going to go with us to Mexico. Uh, Joey's going into the fifth grade this year. Joey has been doing immersion Spanish class since he was in preschool. So by the way, he speaks Spanish because all of his classes are spoken in Spanish from his elementary school. Does that make sense? He is so excited to go to Mexico and finally get to use his Spanish. He goes, so do you know any Spanish? I go, nope. That is why I have you, Joey. And when I call you, I want you to come running. Because I'm going to need you. And by the way, Jacinia and all of them know, I will use you, right, Jacinia? I will bring you over and go, explain, I need to explain this to you. And then he goes, why don't you learn? Because I have you. Now listen, Joey, being immersed in the Spanish language is going to go down to Mexico. I'm telling you, he's still going to be a foreigner down there. It's not his home. And folks, we can be immersed in the culture that is around us, but can I tell you, we should feel the feeling that this is not our home. 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. If they thought the land from which they returned had the answers, they could have gone back. Abraham could have gone back. But Abraham knew that the land from which he left did not hold the answer. And let me say to you, for those of you, listen to me, who have come to Christ, the life you left does not hold the answer. As appealing as it may be to go back, as appealing as it may be to go back in a place where maybe you felt like you had more control, it does not hold the answer. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. Someone say amen to that. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God did not, I'm sorry, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Jesus says, I've gone to go prepare a place for you. And it's not just, listen, it's not just a residence. It's a city. A place where I, listen, I hope and I pray because this is what God says that I will finally feel at home. That I will not be pulled by the junk of this world, but will find the purity of who God is in that world. Revelation 21, 2 says this, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. A new city. By faith, Moses was hidden for three months. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish. The reason why I left that one about Rahab is that Rahab is one of the great-great-grandmothers of Jesus. A foreign prostitute is in the line and the lineage of Jesus Christ. By faith. By faith. See, God called her to hide the spies, and in doing so, it opened up the possibility for Israel to come in and take down the walls of Jericho, the first sign that God was going to give them the promised land under their leader, Joshua. And Rahab plays a role. She gets brought into the tribe of Israel and becomes one of the great-great-grandmothers of Jesus by faith. By faith. 
So this whole list here of Moses and what happens, we go from Moses all the way to Rahab, which is again coming into the promised land. The writer's going, look, do you see this by faith, by faith, by faith? So let's go back and look at a couple things. Verse 26. This is talking about Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses, brought up in Pharaoh's house by Pharaoh's daughter, could have had all the treasures of Egypt. We've seen, right? We've seen King Tut's tomb. Pretty good treasures. Do you understand? Pretty good treasures. If, 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 if King Tut's tomb is just an example of what they did for people in death, can you imagine what they experienced in life? And this is what it says. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the next place, saying that's greater than what this earth has to offer. I'm telling you right now, Many of you in this room are in a battle because you believe that the things that this earth keeps dangling in front of you is somehow worth it compared to what you're going to get in heaven and you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it for a time and you're going to enjoy it here, but it is not going to satisfy. And I'm telling you that God is telling us to put our eyes on the reward that is beyond, that is past. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight." By faith, not by power, not by their strength, not by the mighty army that they had, by faith. Most of the battles, when you see that, God tells them, like Gideon, uh, I want 300 men and some horns and some torches, and we're going to win this battle. David would show up to these battles, and God goes, yeah, just stand there. I'll take care of this. And he would make the, the armies fight each other. By faith, by faith. When we get to verse 35, we're now getting moved into where the writer of Hebrews is moving us into what we call common time now. Now he's going to start talking about those people who had faith after they've heard of Jesus. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. By the way, they believe that's one of the deaths of one of the apostles is that he was sawn in two alive. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. The writer of Hebrews is looking to these people, these, these men and women of God, who, by the way, if you want to find out what was horrifically happening to the Christians under the time of Nero, just know that he would just take a large animal, empty them out of all of their insides, take a Christian, shove them in, sew them in, and let lions come in and eat them from the outside in. 
all the time. It is heard over and over again while that person inside that animal sang hymns to Christ. Of whom the world is not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Now, we get to this big, long line. Started all the way back up with Abel. We go all the way through Noah. We go all the way through Abraham. We go through his whole lineage. We get to Moses. From Moses, we go all the way through Joshua. We get to the promised land. Then we get to Gideon, and we get to the judges, and we get to all of them. And then he goes all the way into those who have been doing stuff since Christ has come. Those who have, who have been killed because of their love of Christ. And then we get verse 39. The first time I read this, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I was in high school. The first time I grasped this concept, I said, you've got to be kidding me. Because here's what's happening. I can, like, this is a crescendo. Does that mean it's building and it's building and it's building and I'm waiting for the big ta-da! And I didn't understand that there was one. I just couldn't see it. And I had to study to find it. And here we go. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what is promised. I'm like, what? You've got to be kidding me. Wait a minute. You just named people who are son and two. You are naming people who, who changed armies and sent them to flights. And then you say, and all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what is promised. And here's why. Because Jesus hadn't come yet. All of our promises are found in Jesus Christ. All of our hope is found in Jesus Christ. David put armies to flight looking to Jesus. Gideon fought that war looking to Jesus. Abraham went to a foreign land looking to Jesus. Moses separated the Red Sea with God's power looking to Jesus. And yes, again, they were looking to something from far off because the reality of what we're talking about here is that it's not until they, by the way, come together with us that they get the completion of what they've been looking for. Because look at verse 40. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what is promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Meaning this, it's when these people of faith, of old, unite with us under the person of Jesus Christ that we finally get perfection. So we finally get perfection since God had provided something better for us. Because in all of those times that David is making armies to flight and Gideon is fighting the war and Abraham is doing those things, there's still a sin in their lives that is not paid for. There is still a need for sacrifice because their sins were just getting rolled back. They were not absolved. They were not washed clean. They were not sprinkled because only one person and one person only could do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And so with that, we get to Hebrews 10.1. We're going back to last chapter. For since the law 
has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. And so the point is this. Those people could never be made perfect. They couldn't. Because those animals, those washings, those ceremonies could not accomplish what Jesus could. And then we get to 1014. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by a single offering, Jesus Christ, by the way, legitimizes all of their faith. Listen to me. Moses, Abraham, Enoch, Gideon, Jephthah, all of them would say Jesus was worth waiting for. Because it is in him that we are finally released from our sin. Released to come into the presence of God. And by the way, listen, have access to the city that he has been building for us from the beginning of time. The city that will not disappoint. The city that will be all that we need. The city, which by the way, his glory means we don't even need a son because he's so glorious, he will light the city with his very glory. So what did I want to tell you out of the book of Hebrews that maybe you haven't seen before? I want you to see this. The people that he's talking about, we're looking there, not here. Cedars Church today, please tell me that you are looking there, not here. Please don't tell me that you're trying to find your joy and your fulfillment here instead of there. Please don't tell me that you think that your next relationship or your next job or your next promotion or your next toy is going to be the thing that's going to give you what you're looking for because it won't. What you need to do is set your eyes on a house built by God on foundations of the holy um, apostles. And in doing so, you will get what you're looking for. But here, this, listen to me, is not your home. You are passing through. And yes, you can speak the language. And yes, you may like the tacos. But listen to me. It's not your home. Please let there be tacos in heaven. Please let there be tacos in heaven. Now listen. I want you to hear me clearly that this writer is trying to say to these people who are reading this book, they all acted in faith. And by the way, so do you need to act in faith now and trust in a God that says, this is all going to burn. Put your hope, your trust, your future, and, and your treasure into that which will come for eternity. That's what's being talked. And may we be a part of that. Tim's going to then next week talk about what happens with all these people who, by the way, are watching you. These faithful people are watching you going, are you going to be faithful? Tim's going to unlock all that next week. Come back for that. Be challenged by that. Sit in that. But today, may you get your eyes off of here, up there, and realize this is not my home. Let me pray. Heavenly Father. I am just thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your heart. I'm thankful for what you've done. We've been going through this book of Hebrews. It is powerful. And Father, we get to see these people who acted in faith. May we be faithful. May we act in faith. May we get our eyes off the trinkets and the junk 
and the dime store things that get our attention, and may we put them where they need to be on the city that you will put us in for eternity. And Father, I just thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.